Well, hello and welcome to episode 158 of The Cool Room. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, David Griffiths, uh, and it's a big, big pleasure to be introducing the first of what I think are going to be three sets of podcasts that we recorded out at the Williamstown Beer and Cider Festival last weekend at Seaworks. Uh, before we go any further, I really want to give a huge shout out to Shane and all the team uh, who put that together. It was a really great festival, as you will hear. It was a gorgeous sunny day uh, out in Williamstown, perfect for tasting some beautiful cold beers and a great selection of breweries, uh, cideries. There's outside music, and you'll get a bit of a feel for that in the background. Uh, just an awesome day and um, a perfect way to spend the first, uh, or last weekend in November, I should say. Felt like the first weekend of summer, really getting to Melbourne and um, making lots of new friends and revisiting some old ones. Uh, today's episode features Brick Lane, Wayward and Cavalier. Uh, you'll hear more of them along the way. Uh, a couple of quick notes before we get into the bulk of the show. First of all, I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that uh, this is one of our outside broadcasts, and so the audio quality isn't up to the usual quality that we'd be looking for. Um, I really hope you bear with it, uh, because there's some great conversations and some really fun insights into the world of Australian brewing in there. Uh, but rest assured, if it's your first time with us, uh, that we normally aim for a higher quality of audio than this podcast is going to feature today. Um, the other thing to say is, if it is your first time with us, and probably with those three great breweries to talk about, they'll all bring their own fans to listen, um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we've been around for 158 episodes, as I say. Started out about three or four years ago when I took over the Royal Mail Hotel in West Melbourne. Uh, it started out as a podcast about what it was like to turn around a pub, uh, and then COVID came along, and the pub has gone, but the podcast lives on. And we now sell beer uh, out to people so that we can talk about it live in our Zoom room on Thursday nights. So if you check out our Facebook and Instagram, uh, that can lead you to our Shopify, where you can buy the tasting packs and you can sit at home wherever you live in Australia and enjoy the beers, join in online, you get to talk to the brewers, we record all of that, package it up and put it out there. We've got some great breweries coming up in December uh, and really looking forward to some of the plans for 2023. Wow, hard to believe that we're at that stage already, but that's the truth of the matter. Okay, let's not muck around any further. I'm really looking forward to some of the conversations today. First time we've had Brick Lane on the show, first time we've had Cavalier on the show, We've had Wayward on the show before, and of course, Ryan from Wayward, we've had on a few times. Love chatting to him. Uh, so really looking forward to some of the conversations you're going to get to listen to. And tune in and uh, subscribe. Like the podcast. Give it five stars. That way everyone else can find out about it, and we continue to manage to get some great brewers on the show because they can see that we're an outstanding podcast. Okie dokie. Over to me at Williamstown. Our first guest up today is Darren from Brick Lane. Welcome, Darren. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. How's the festival been for you so far? Have you uh, had a chance to mosey around or have you been hard at work? 
Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, we managed to get in early and do a bit of setup, which gave us a little bit of time to be able to go and check out a couple of the stalls and vendors and stuff like that. And it's it's been amazing. Like just the crowds coming through the door, just like straight off the bat, have just been like, oh wow, this is going to be an amazing day. And the weather really turned on for us as well. I was going to say, after a cold, wet couple of weeks in Melbourne, we finally got a hot day, and I think everyone is excited to have cold beers in their hands. I think I've heard the term weather and how good is this about 50 times today. And um, <laughs> look, it's not surprising the crowds are coming out for such an amazing day like today. And I mean, amazing pace that we're set up in as well. It's, it's certainly going to be a great afternoon. Um, Let's kick off. We've got listeners all around the world, and we like just to sort of set the scene to begin with. Can you tell us where Brick Lane is? Uh, you've got a couple of sort of venues that people can give us. You know, just give us a little bit of a feel for how the setup is. Absolutely. So, um, like we were saying, I'm from Brick Lane Brewing. We're currently based in Dandenong South, which is in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne in Victoria, in Australia. So we're about 40 minutes north of Melbourne CBD. Uh, we've got a big production brewery down there and a small tap room. We also have a nice little tap room in the Queen Victoria Market, which is in central CBD of Melbourne, Victoria. Uh, we've got a little tap room, which I actually run uh, most days of the week. It's a fantastic venue. We, uh, after we've done our salami shopping at the markets, we often pop in there and have a little quiet beer or two. Uh, so that you know, it's everything you could possibly need when you've got salami and beer in one place at one time. Absolutely. Like I said, we um, got the little tap room, but we do BYO food, dog-friendly, kid-friendly, and it's just a perfect spot in the market where people can sort of do their big shop and then come in and take a load off and try some delicious beer. I've got to give a shout-out to one of our very loyal uh, patrons and visitors at the Cool Room, uh, Jacob, uh, who, with his wife, runs the, uh, the Pink Duck Sock Factory. I'm looking at my wife, who, you know, it's a... Go pink pigs. I'll, I'll put it. I will post again on our uh, thing. So go down, buy your socks, buy your salami, and then drop into beer, Brick Lane and have a couple of beers. Um, what's your role at the brewery apart from running the, the day-to-day spot there in the market? Yeah, so uh, I'm running the tap room in the Queen Victoria Market. Like I said, we also uh, obviously have a really solid team that come out and do events like we're doing today. I also like to do um, a bit of staff training as well for the team. So I'm a certified Cicerone. So uh, by doing that, I actually get to train up some of the staff on not only some of the beers we're doing, but certain styles out there and just a better way of educating not only ourselves, but our consumers about what style of beer and what they should be looking forward to. Now, experienced craft beer drinkers all know what a certified Cicerone is, but for those who are new to the game, what's that role actually mean? Um, so, yeah, good question. Basically, a certified Cicerone, you've got a sommelier for wine, which is basically someone that is educated in... Uh, again, educating the consumer about what wines are. It's just basically someone that's got a certificate in the knowledge of wine, and we've got the same for beer. So Cicerone is that for beer. Uh, certain qualifications in regards to, you know, what beer is, making sure that beer is stored correctly, served correctly, and explained correctly is a very dumbed-down way of explaining it. But it's just basically a, a really good way of explaining to the consumers uh, what beer is and getting a certificate to just say that you know how to do it the right way, I guess. And it's not an easy thing to get, is it? It's not like just sort of, you know, an hour course and a tick and flick. Unfortunately not. Um, I say unfortunately, but then again, I mean, to train for an exam like this, you just have to drink a lot of beer and <laughs> it's not the worst thing in the you, world. But you were the man for the job? Yeah, exactly. Somebody had to do it and I stuck my hand up. So, no, no, the... Um, there's four levels of the Cicerone program. I'm on the certified, which is the second level, but it involves uh, three written uh, essays, multiple choice short answer, as well as blind beer tasting, things like that. Um, it's, it's really something that I'd recommend people look into and try if they are experiencing craft beer because you actually learn, out, learn quite a bit compared to what is out there. So you can get some little bits of information here and there, but just getting the right material and understanding and studying this sort of stuff, you just realise there's so much more to it than you even know. 
uh, and it's just a great thing to do. So I highly recommend if anybody wants to check it out, um, Cicerone is just a really cool thing to do. Awesome. Now, we've sort of jumped around a little bit here, but can you give us the history of the brewery as well and tell us a little bit about when it started and what's been happening so far? And then we need to talk about the first beer that we've got in front of us, the Delicious Pale Ale, my first beer of the festival, and um, it's going down very, very nicely. Well, cheers nonetheless. Um, Yeah, so we've got... Had to have a sip of the beer first, of course, but... um, (laughs) Yeah, so Brick Lane's just gone over its fourth birthday. We're located in Dandenong South. Um, We have a... A really large production brewery, and we do what we um, what we tend to do is actually a lot of contract brewing for other breweries as well. So we've got a state-of-the-art brewery um, that we manage to help other breweries that can't quite reach the capacity compared to demand. We help them out and brew for them. So we do a lot of contract brewing for other breweries to help them grow as well as growing ourselves, which is great. Um, our brewery has just been going from strength to strength so far since uh, starting up a few years back. Uh, and it's just been great. We've managed to go from originally just a couple of beers in our lineup to anywhere from 10 to 18 SKUs in the fridge at the bar, which is great. I'm loving that we've got. We haven't even begun to talk about the pale ale, and we've already got the next beer lining up because we've got all these minions and as well as our fans. So what a, what a great outcome! It's a win-win, isn't it? I mean, you know, when you come to a beer festival, everybody wants to put their hand up so they might be able to get a free beer themselves. <laughs> so I'd like to thank Dave for that one. Thanks, mate. Um, talk to me about the pale ale. What have we got here in the glass? What should we be tasting as we, as we experience it? Absolutely. So this is our One Love Pale Ale. Uh, this is our flagship beer. Um, it's one of the first brews we did, originally called um, just Brick Lane Pale, came in bottles. We've now converted to cans. 4.4% um, what is akin to an English summer ale. So we've got a little bit of wheat in there. We've got a really light body. It's just very refreshing, very easy drinking. We've got a slight haze from the wheat and unweeded malt that we've got in the beer. Uh, citrus, stone fruit and passion fruit on the nose. Again, light body, touch of bitterness, overall refreshing and tropical. Like, it's just, it's a beer that is flavourful enough for the craft beer consumer, but it's also something that's very sessionable where even if you've had a six-pack, you're not just like, I need a change-up. It's just... It's just something you can drink, especially on a day like today where the sun's out. It's just a win-win. It is just the perfect beer to kick off a festival with, I've got to say. So it's just really nice and and easy drinking in the best possible way. Um, I guess that's why you brought it to the festival. It it has that sort of festival feel. It's one of those great beers that no matter what sort of event you're doing, you bring it along and you know that it'll have popularity. You know it'll have people that are just like, whether you're at a festival for Imperial Stouts or double IPAs or sours or even just a festival just to come and enjoy some sun you just need something that you can sort of reset your palate and have something that's still got that flavour and this is a great beer for that but it's also a great beer for just you know enjoying and just hanging out with friends and things like that it's just a win-win for everyone a beer that you sell a bit of at the market absolutely uh, market bar I would have thought yeah no no this is, uh, this is easily our biggest seller um, across most of our venues I'm pretty sure it just again it's just the one that people go to they sort of drawn towards it what would you recommend you suggest oh you know this is our flagship beer would you like to give it a try and then all of a sudden you turn around and they're coming up for a second or a third outstanding um is there something about this beer that you think makes it a particularly brick lane beer like what is it that sort of you know would for people who are first encountering it maybe they bought a can to listen to the podcast you know what why is this a brick lane beer from what i've sort of been saying like Brick Lane is great. Brick Lane, uh, the brewery, is named after just the Brick Lane alleyways that connect, connect communities around the world. It's just a sort of, and it's all about inclusivity uh, and approachability and things like that throughout business. And this beer represents that. I mean, it's something that, again, like I was saying, 
it doesn't matter what your palate's attuned to. It's something you can always come back to. It's just the approachability of this beer is just second to none, in my opinion. It's just something that I've, I'm yet to find someone that despises it. Like, even if you're not a fan of, say, the beer, and I'm happy to say it, like, you know, everyone's got different flavors and different palates and different, you know, things that they enjoy. But no one's ever been like, I hate that. Everyone's just sort of like, I actually don't mind that. I might get something else next, but it's good. And that's like the worst case scenario of this beer. Everybody else is just like, that's so easy drinking. That's great. I want to get another one. I want to get a six pack. I want to show it to my friends. You know, like it's something that, again, it's just inclusive. And that's what Brick Lane is about as much as this beer. And that's why this beer really helps showcase that about the brewery. Now, we're going to move on to the Weizenbock next. Yep. Is that the one that people despise? Do you have, do you have beers in the, in the range? <laughs> Let's just say it's an acquired taste. Um, no, no, this beer is fantastic. So uh, the next beer we're going on into is our, and excuse the poorly named uh, pun, but I call it a Weizenbrick. Oh, I, li- um, I like it. See, I'm all about the puns. Yep. So. Yeah, no, it's um, something that I came up with last minute, but for some reason it's just stuck. So we've got the Weizenbrick, which is a Weizenbock. So Brickline have just uh, um, taken on a new pilot brew. So the Pilot Brew is a 500-litre kit that we've got in the brewery that helps us do limited release things. Uh, obviously, with the scale of our brewery at the moment, our batch sizes are quite large. So if you want to do something experimental, it's quite a lot of money, time, and commitment into this. Having this Pilot Brew, we can now push out, you know, around 8 to 10 kegs of beer, which we can split between our Dandenong venue and our Queen Victoria Market venue, which really can help show our creativity as well as our quality of brewing. So we did a, um, a fest beer was one of the first Ooh. runs we did in keg and then we've come on to the Weizenbock. Now this beer I wouldn't say is as approachable as our one love, but it's a delicious beer. Um, so what tell us a bit about the style and then how this beer represents that style. So with a Weizenbock it's sort of like a, a Hefeweiss wheat beer. We have this really amazing strain of yeast that you sort of get out of your Hefeweiss wheat beer. It gives flavours of banana and candy banana, clove, bubblegum, really cool things like that. With a Weizenbock, they tend to use some darker malt. So we're using not only the wheat malt, but we're also using marzen malt and things like that. It kind of gives this really nice, almost like lightly toasted bread note, a little bit of dark raisin, dried fruits. So you get this amazing, like, flavour on the nose. Sorry, you get this aroma on the nose, my apologies, of, like, these amazing fruity qualities. It's really cool. And then you try it on the palate, and they're still there, but you get this, like, nice roasty sort of, like... um, dark fruit notes on the palate but it still melds really well together but it's full of flavor but still refreshing and that's an interesting thing with this style of beer it's really hard to nail both full of flavor and refreshing but it is quite unique my wife's just something... stolen the beer this is this is, this is an outrage you know it's amazing yeah. would you guys like a taste <laughs> sorry about that no, we had to have a little break there because it's not easy to provide beer for all of the fans who've packed in around us, but we've, ma- we've managed to do that. Um, and there's some smiles and faces. That's what we love to see. Uh, this, is a, this is a great beer and a great exemplar of the style. We've had a, a pretty awesome Oktoberfest uh, in the core room. We've had Schlinkeler on. We've had Weinstefan on. Uh, and so we've got to experience a range of German beers. So if, if German beers are your style, go back and listen to the archives uh, to learn a bit more about some of those beers. But... Um, this is fantastic. So how much have you made and is it only available at the bars? This is not something we can get in a can or something like that? Yeah, like I was saying, so with our pilot brew, we can do about 8 to 10 kegs. So we split them between our Dandenong venue and our venue in the QVM. Um, 
very limited release beers, sort of very exclusive to where we are, and we just look at changing it. I think we've got a brewing schedule booked out for the next 12 months of some really cool yeah, and right. exciting stuff. I haven't even been able to take a peek at it. Um, I was gonna, that was the question. We normally have our no, sort of 8pm scoop. That's but you know, surely after you know, no, now we're on our I'm second beer. I'm working on it. I'm, I, look, hopefully next time I come on, I'll be able to give you guys a little bit of insight. But uh, at the moment, it's like under lock and key with our head brewer and couple of other people about what they want to do on that little pilot kit but to be honest I've been pleasantly surprised it was one of the furthest things from my mind of coming out with you know a really awesome 5.6% fest beer followed by a, a Weizenbock it was not something I was expecting and I've been pleasantly surprised because not only do I love you know the range of craft beers that there are out there but amazing breweries out there. And again, I know you've had them on the podcast, but shout out to the guys at Burnley just doing those sort of traditional German styles. I love that. Like just trying to not only educate people on amazing beers and amazing techniques, but also styles that they may not be as familiar with because they're not as readily available. And the fact that we've got an amazing range of beers at Brick Lane, being able to kind of delve in a couple of those, you know, a little bit less well-known styles and showcase them to the public is just such an exciting thing for me especially having regulars down at the tap room and you know I'm sure there's a few listening to this um, and obviously shout out to a couple of people there but just being able to showcase them and to come in and try something new that they can be like I'm so excited I got to try that because you know this is where I come to try my sort of you know beers and try things differently and now it's just blown up a little bit more to be able to be like here's some amazing stuff. Uh, and, you know, I guess that's sort of the question, you know, talking about tasting beers and trying other beers, have you had the chance to explore a few of the other stalls at the festival today? Is there is there a beer that's not one of yours that stands out as something you've either tried and loved or that you're really hanging out to go and try when you get, get out from behind the bar? I haven't had to have as much of a walk around as I would have liked. You're staring at the Gippsland garlic stall as though you might be, like, very keen on getting some delicious Gippsland garlic I mean, in your mouth. Can you blame me? Um, <laughs> that sounds absolutely amazing. No, um, the guys at Bonehead are absolutely amazing. Their beers are fantastic. I think that'll be the uh, first trip on the walk back to my stall, so they're, they're, I can just claim I'm still on the podcast and chop past a few stalls they, on the way. They didn't book in a slot to be interviewed today, but they keep on coming over and trying to bully me into being on the show. So I'm we'll not see surprised. If they, they were raving about you earlier, so <laughs> no. Um, yeah, the guys from Bonehead always have amazing beers. Um, I mean, you can't really go past um, Crankshaft is down there, you know. Um, the guys at Ben Spoke are amazing. Evan's a superstar, and their beers are always great. But the selection of beers here are amazing, so I think I might get a little bit lost on the way back to where I'm going today, <laughs> just trying a few. You but can just say that you were on the podcast for two or three hours. Exactly. So. You know, a lot of it was cut, but I managed to uh, come back and have some really good experiences on the way there. That's usually the way I've got to say that we do. We do edit most of the podcast yeah, exactly. out by the time it goes out. Um, we have a traditional cool room question, which is where we ask, you know, what's the most uh, disturbing thing you've ever seen in a cool room? But because we're at a festival today, we're going to mix it up a bit. Um, obviously, not the beautiful willy uh, beer inside a festival, but in terms of beer festivals you've attended in the past, have you ever seen anything a bit underboard happening out the back or, you know, any sort of happy memories of festivals past? I'm sure there's a few things I could say that probably will be edited out, but... Um no, I think, I think one of my favourites would be uh, Brick Lane over Gab's Festival. We actually uh, purchased a speedboat, uh, which we branded uh, Sidewinder after our non-alcoholic range of beers. Um, so the Sidewinder brand of our non-alcoholic arm of Brick Lane was named after a 1970 speedboat. We then bought a 1992 replica of that speedboat, 
and then took it to Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne, um, which we ended up calling the world's most expensive photo booth because people could get in. We had props in there, and people could get photos, and we'd get Polaroid photos of them in the boat. Now, heaps of fun, but first of all, some of the poses that I saw people doing, (laughs) quite questionable, and then... Towards the end of the sessions at Gabs, the way people would try and get in and out of the boat became quite sketchy after a while. Um, It's not something that it's easy to convey, but just things you see about people trying to get out of a boat after trying multiple different beers... It's just something that needs to be seen to be believed. I, I love it. That's, that's exactly the tone of, of what we normally get with this kind of question because it's one of those things that must have seemed like a good idea at the time. Exactly. But when you were hauling the speedboat you know, down the highway <laughs> to Brisbane, you know, someone would have been going, hang on a second, whose bright idea was this? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you stop off on the way somewhere and you're just like, just take it on the water and not come back. But, no, no, it's, it's great fun and it gets heaps of good feedback. Um, it, it's just a really a poignant part now of what we sort of do and having that there and people recognise it now and it's good, it's, it's a bit of work but it's good fun. Uh, so where does the boat live now? Is that out at Dandenong? Or? Currently down in Dandenong. I keep trying to borrow the keys to take it out. I wish we had brought it here today Ooh. but um, maybe next time. Next year we'll see if we can do some trips out on the, um, on the water for next Willie Beer Fest. We'll see how we go. That sounds like an excellent idea. We'll look forward to seeing you back here again next year. Darren, thank you for being our first guest on today. And we, um, we look forward to coming and visiting Brick Lane in both Dandenong and at the Queen Vic Markets with our sausages and our salamis and our socks. Uh, what are the socials for you guys, for people who want to learn a bit more? Yeah, so we're on bricklanebrewing.com. Um, Brick Lane Brewing Co. on Facebook, Instagram, things like that. So give us a follow, shoot us a message. Uh, our online store, bricklanebrewing.com, ships all the way around Australia. Um, definitely hit the guys up there and yeah, come past, come see us at the bar, come say hi. We're always welcome and open for a chat. Excellent. Thanks very much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Okie dokie, we're back here in the cool room. We're starting our next interview and we have our old friend Ryan uh, from Wayward Brewing now, which is a little bit of a change of colours for you, Ryan. We've known you in uh, many different guises over the years. Yes, yeah, yeah. so um, with the fine people at Wayward now and um, yeah, got a couple of uh, couple of good beers under the belt here with um, with these sours, which is released, but uh, yeah. Excellent. Now, again, many, many people around Australia will obviously know Wayward and the Wayward story, but for all of our listeners in Mexico, uh, can you tell us a little bit about where Wayward is and uh, how long it's been around and where we can find you if we're physically trying to visit the brewery? Uh, hola, señores and señoritas. Wayward Biera. That is far more impressive than uh, I realised. I'm glad that I said Mexico and not Norway. De donde es Camperdown in the inner west of Sydney. So, look, I, my, my Spanish is shit, um, but the yeah, beers it's, are great. It's way better than my Spanish, I'll tell yeah, you. That yeah, much. so we're in the inner west of Sydney there, um, just, just next to Merrickville, where there's just a really good brewing scene up there. It's, uh, it's a bit of a playground for. Uh, Popheads like ourselves. It really is, isn't it? It's an amazing yeah. place, particularly for people who come from overseas. Uh, if you've only got time to sort of visit one, you know, one part of Sydney for beer, that's certainly the place to go to. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, and how long has Wayward been around? And what's the what's the origin story of Wayward? So the origin story of what well, we've been around. I think this is our uh, seventh or eighth year of uh, bricks and mortar brewery. 
Um, prior to that, um, Pete was doing some gypsy brewing, um, and he hooked up with Sean, our head brewer. I'm probably getting all this all immensely wrong, but... Um, but that, that's they're how, not going to listen, are they? That's they'll, how they'll tales go. You know, like, yeah, they're in this outlaw motorcycle gang. And, uh, <laughs> in Mexico, which yeah. is where you learn to speak Spanish. That's it. Um, but, yeah, so um, Sean was brewing for a, uh, another brewery. I forget the name, but, um, yeah. And, um, yeah, he convinced them to come on board, and then they uh, started brewing and eventually got the investors on board and created uh, the uh, Wayward Brewing and tap room in uh, Garrick Lane there in Camperdown. Now, we've got a couple of new releases from Wayward to taste today. Uh, we should get on to talking about the first one. Um, the dry hopped mango sour. Uh, talk us through the beer that's in front of us. Um, so this is great, this beer. We got a bit scientific on this one. Um, we split the beer into two parts. Um, so we brewed the base beer, we soured one component, and then we dry hopped uh, the other half with um, mosaic. And then we blended them back in together. Um, it's um, really good. It's got a bit of tartness there. It's got a, it's got a, the mango and the mosaic actually shine in it. It's um, and being four percent, it's you can have a few, which is good because I'm driving tonight. So um, I will be having. I've had my one can for the more two cans now. <laughs> I've got one more can in me before eight pm. So. Uh, we were talking uh, when we had Rick Lane on a few moments ago about festival beers. This feels like an ideal festival beer on a on a happily hot Melbourne day. Oh, big time, big time! You're talking about music festival beers or well, and beer festival beers as well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, there might be a little bit too tart for um, people when they get the uh, pingers do funny things to your your uh, your, your palate. So uh, I'm not sure this is going to be the best fest- music festival beer. Um, but for a beer festival, it's fantastic on a hot day like this. I, uh, I'm looking forward to getting to our question about the weirdest thing you've ever seen at a festival, given what you've just told us there. <laughs> I feel I feel like there could be some quality things, but I don't want to jump ahead of ourselves. Um, so which hops are we getting here, and what's the sort of... So, yeah, it's um, yeah, single hops, sour ale using mosaic. So it's one of those superstar hops out of the US, mosaic. Um, it's, um, yeah, look, I, the actual brewing part of it is not... I just like beers that taste good, and um, and that's sort of done me all right so far. <laughs> Absolutely, and it feels like uh, there's more and more creative and different styles coming out of Wayward now. So yeah, so this I mean this is actually we, we brewed this a, um, a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, um, and it was an absolute crowd pleaser. So they thought we'll do um, a double release for um, for uh, the end of the year, and um, yeah, I'm, this was the big one I was looking forward to. And it's pretty much my allocation for Victoria is almost sold out. So, um, so, so how much of the wayward beer does actually come down the Hume and get to Victoria? Uh, look, generally for each new release, it's about eighty to hundred cases, and about nine nine kegs of each generally. Um, but yeah, so these ones being a double release, I think it was uh, eight, yeah, eight, eight, 60 cases of each. Sorry. Um, but I've had to order a few more ma- mango mosaics because I flew through it. Well, that's that's a great thing because we want to see more of the beer down here in Victoria. So if it's yep. selling out, hopefully that's going to encourage them to um, to load up the truck a bit more every time they come down. Exactly, but it also relies on all your lovely listeners popping down and requesting Wayward by name. Um, 
If you were going to be drinking Wayward in Melbourne, what venues would you be uh, particularly keen to go and visit? Do you want to shout br- out a couple of loyal venues? Absolutely. There's a brand new uh, venue um, that's opened up uh, on Rose Street, over the road from the Fitzroy Mills Market there. Um, currently, um, it's, Wayward is the only beer available in there. Um, I took months and months and months of hard work from this uh, sales rep to uh, get in there. <laughs> this is sounding like it's dangerously close to around the corner from your house, mate. It's right next to my house. <laughs> yeah, that um, was, my, that was yeah. the impression. Uh, so that's it. But yeah, shout-outs to Flipside Fitzroy. Um, Zach and Annie have just... Um, it's their first bar and um, going great guns there. So, yeah. Um, but occasionally... Uh, what do you... Occasionally from, um, you know, it's, it's not always permanent taps because they're hard to come by, but um, you'll find us on tap at the Rainbow or um, the Woodlands up in Coburg or um, Coburg RSL as well or Bar Josephine from time to time, just whoever's buying kegs and I'm there at the right time. I'm, I'm glad that there was at least one Western Suburbs uh, venue that you managed to list there rather than just sort of, yeah. it felt like we were walking in concentric circles from Fitzroy and uh, sort of going further and further around. Yeah, look, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know where you live because I've had to come and pick up beer from your house before, so, you know, that's it. Um, perhaps we can start to move on to the second beer, if that's yep. all right, and have a little bit of a taste of, of that one. Um which means I'm having a little pour out, which I hate to do. I wonder what my... So talk us through the second beer that we've got here, the, uh, the, the Double Passion. Double Passion Easter. So um, Passion Easter became a uh, sort of like a seasonal release um, every year. It's the Passion Easter in its single singular form. Uh, is essentially the same base Berlin of Ice as our um, raspberry and our core range, um, and it's just fruited differently. Um, There's a lot of fruit on the nose, I've got to say, which is a while, a while back, we actually... Um, can I swap you? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, a while back, we uh, did a double raspberry berliner, and people have been um, saying, when are you going to do that again? Um, typical fashion, we didn't listen to them, but we thought, <laughs> uh, let's do a double passion Easter. It's something that we hadn't done before. Um, and I haven't tasted it before until right now. Oh, right. Well, this could be exciting. Uh, hopefully, you know, no, he hasn't screwed up his face. He's looking very happy with the world. That's fun. It really is, That isn't is it? fun. So yeah. that, uh, that passion fruit really comes through. Yeah. Uh, yuzu is something that we see on, a, on a, quite a few beer labels these days, but not everyone knows what a yuzu is or what it's supposed to taste like. Can you talk us through what the yuzu is doing in the beer? Uh, so, uh, th- to put you on the spot. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, look, I, there are great pairings throughout history, um, and tastes are obviously subjective. Like, one of my favourite pairings would have to be, um, like, Jay and Silent Bob. Um, <laughs> the other great pairings, you know, you've, you've got... Uh, so the, um, I'm loving that that was your starting point. It wasn't sort of some famous dance couple or, you know, 1920s movie stars. It was Jay and Silent Bob. I think that's a pretty... Yeah, look. <laughs> but, um, look, it's, it's, it's really the, the yuzu there has got that sort of cut through of the, of the citrus there, which um, generally with our, our berliners, uh, you want that tartness that cuts through and pairs with the, the sour um, part of the beer. Um, by adding the passion fruit as well, you've just added that whole other string to the bow of senses there because it's as soon as you open that can it just sort of fills the immediate sort of area with um that lovely passion fruit smell um but yeah as yuzu's a uh a citrus like a japanese uh orange
orange, lemon, something. It's something I mean, in there. It's sort of, isn't yeah. it? Sort of, sort of, kind of grapefruity, kind of orangey, yeah. kind of lemony. Yeah. And it's certainly it has those bits. Of, you're absolutely right. It's got that little bit of zing, almost like the like a little sort of lemon at the end of it. That's really good. I mean, the, the real, the, you know, if I was being provocative, the question would be, what's it going to be like to go back to the normal Passion Easter, you know, after you've had the double? Like, can, can you go back? I think so. I mean, look, uh, if we had the, the single Passion Easter here today, it would be my go-to, being 3.8%. Um, also, we've used Brewer's Clerics in both of these beers, so um, while we don't test the smaller batches, uh, because it's a bit costly and time-consuming, um, it's pretty safe to say that there'll be most of the most of not all the gluten will have been removed. So it's um, yeah. I've, I've got to say I'm, I'm glad you pointed out that this one is not 3.8 percent. It's actually 7.6 percent. So it genuinely is the double. Double. It's double. Uh, it doesn't taste like a 7.6 percent beer. Like it really genuinely doesn't sort of have that. Yeah. Sort of. So it's, it's pretty much double the passion fruit, double the yuzu, double the ABV, and we've yeah. It's um, by fruiting it a bit heavier uh, or, or more heartily. Um, you've definitely hidden any of that alcohol sort of burn that would come through. And, and who has the job of cleaning out the fermenter uh, with the double passion fruit at the end of it all? I'm imagining that would be a pretty ugly job to... Yeah, I, I don't imagine Sean would do that. He'd, yeah. have, he'd have people underneath him that would do that. That's, but that's exactly right. I hear that... Um, like 99% of brewing is just scrubbing stainless steel tanks. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's, I, it's uh, people keep on asking me if I want to do collabs with their breweries, but I think what they're really wanting is someone just to come and shovel out the fermenter at the end of the brew. <laughs> I think that's, you know, exactly. Yeah. I know the drill. Yeah. Well, you should ask Chris from Sailor's Grave about what gets stuck in his fermenters. Like, he, he does, like, you know, those crazy ones with seaweed and, and things yeah. like that. It's like... We've, we've had a few comments over the years. Uh, that's one of the you know the things that we have when we ask our traditional cool room question about the most disastrous or uh, confronting thing that you've seen uh, in a in a cool room. People often have stories about what's left in the fermenter. But as I said a bit earlier, today we're sort of switching it up a bit, and we're asking um, what's the most disturbing or. Uh, exciting thing you've seen at a festival. I was thinking beer festivals, obviously not the Williamstown <laughs> Beer Festival where nothing underwater ever happens. But Ryan, you've been to a festival or two in your time, haven't you, mate? Uh, look, I have. Uh, we were only two weeks away from uh, Meredith's Music Festival as well. Um, but the most confronting thing, like Meredith's... I, uh, I feel like I should just clap now so that I've got an editing point where I can take <laughs> all of what you're about to say out. Uh, yeah. Look, there's... Um, I've watched many... Uh, Mentally, like, not mentally is not the right word, but like. Dylan, you'd have to edit it. <laughs> yeah, um, just look, look, a lot of people are impaired in a lot of different ways at Meredith, um, but all sorts of weird weddings, weird costumes. But in terms of a beer you festival. You say weird weddings. They're always getting married at, at Meredith, yeah. It's, uh. Oh, yeah, that's a, I, I didn't realise that. Is there a chapel there? Cha- no, it's like... just this little archway. It's called the Love Arch, and people get married there all the time, but. In terms of a beer festival... Well, so at least now we've got one story that we can use on yeah. the podcast. Isn't that a, that's a nice, charming story? Now tell me the other ones. Um, it was, I think it was a, uh, a few years back when I was um, working um, with Scott at Valhalla. Um, I were at the Bendigo Beer Festival, and I remember watching this guy have an argument with his wife. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and she had left um, earlier in the day, and then... He's on the phone to her saying, yeah, yeah, I'm almost home. I'm almost home. And he's 
literally at the bar buying more beers. Um, and, and, uh, and I don't condone lying to your wife. Or yeah, I was going like to say, that. given that my wife is about a metre away from me at the moment, it's never been something I've been known to do. That bloke is probably the only bloke who's ever lied to his wife about being, uh, you know, almost home from the pub. Yeah. <laughs> Especially where they have the Bendigo Beer Festival and there's music pumping. Like on the stage the whole time. It's it, it wasn't the perfect crime. Definitely, he was definitely impaired. Let's just say that. So, <laughs> well, as you pointed out earlier, you're not going to be impaired today. You're keeping yourself nice with some of those lighter, delicious wayward beers. I'm going to finish off this delicious 7.6% uh, double passionista. It's a beautiful beer, um, mate. You're always very supportive of the podcast. It's fantastic to have you along today, and we uh, hope that you enjoy the rest of your festival experience. It's been great. Thanks for having me, Dave. Well, here we are. We're back with episode 178 of The Cool Room, and we're sitting down with some new friends from Cavalier Brewing. Uh, we've got three uh, people and two mics, so we're going to see how this works out. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. We're welcoming Andrew. We're welcoming Brent, who's got one of the uh, more interesting-looking pizzas that I've seen uh, in my travels <laughs> during the day. And we're welcoming Jason. Hi, right. right. right, guys. Welcome <laughs> to The Cool Room. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. That's oh, that's good. You, put, you did that perfectly. You looked at it. You, no one said anything, and then you looked at each other and didn't speak into the microphone. So it's all going according to plan. Um, we have a little cool room tradition. Rather than me reading out bios and stuff, we love it uh, when our guests introduce each other. So let's sort of work around, and this is where you get to up the ante a little bit, just sort of like a, a speech at a wedding or something like that. Decide how many secrets you want to tell early uh, because someone else will be speaking after you as per the introduction. So let's hear the story about, you know, how you guys, or what roles you have at the brewery and, uh, and you know, the backstory. Uh, so I'm a, an owner, original brewer, and, and, who, and who are you going to introduce? It's not introduce yourself. I'm going to introduce Brent. Excellent. So tell us all the gossip about Brent. Brent is our brewer now and taken completely over from anything that I've done and done it a lot better. This is turning into a compliment session. Is this, uh, I assume that is the idea. idea. It doesn't I normally work that the way. Idea. And, uh, he joined us early in I think 2020. 2020 yeah. So during COVID, we uh, we were trying to do some hand sanitizer. We, we won't talk too much about that anymore. Oh no! Then, well, uh, no, hang on. That sounds, then, that sounds like the story. So was he brought in because of his hand sanitizer experience rather no, than his brewing needed, experience? We just needed bodies. <laughs> but he, he fit in so well with with everyone, and I think we we said it from the start that. Uh, we, we wanted someone then to be able to brew for us, and uh, Brent ticked all those boxes. So, uh, that's how Brent. So then I'll introduce Jace, and uh, Jace is the mouth of the south. Happy to speak on a microphone at any time. Uh, runs the tap room better than anyone. He's run venues for years, and he's come in and just uh, like bumped the tap room up to where it is now, which is incredible. Uh, and, but he is probably the most likely person to speak on a microphone now, so I'll probably <laughs> hand it over to him. I'm actually not sure where I've 
gained all this notoriety about speaking <laughs> on microphones. Uh, certainly unfounded celebrity for sure. But I'll take it. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Any exactly. kind of celebrity is good, isn't it? <laughs> That's what Kim Kardashian keeps on messaging me. So Absolutely. <laughs> She wants your followers, David. Yeah, exactly, exactly, I mean, exactly right. Your followers, mate. Exactly That's right. I mean. um, and I introduce Andrews. Andrews, uh, co-founder Cavalier Brewing, uh, the man behind all of our brews, man behind our uh, our recipes, the backbone of Cavalier Brewing. Um, yeah, the man who is Captain Cavalier. Captain Cavalier. Captain Cavalier, if you will. Is there a cape that comes with that title? I hope so. Yeah. 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 We can rustle one yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be able to find something. Yeah. <laughs> now, the, the obvious sort of question, we always ask this, but given we've got Captain Cavalier in the room, um, tell us sort of the origin story, but most importantly, uh, for our Mexican listeners, our Norwegian listeners, the one person from Hungary who tunes in... Um, if they're visiting Australia, where are they going to find the brewery? Where are they going to find the tap room? And can you paint us a bit of a picture about what it's like? So, breweries in Derriman, uh, one of Melbourne's nicer suburbs. It's, uh, I, I, I'm saying nothing bad about Derriman. Okay. So, we're, we're <laughs> out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got to get my eyebrows back off the ceiling <laughs> in, this, in, in this large facility it's that we're in. It's a very industrial suburb. Um, we set up there originally because rent was cheap. It was. As does everybody who yeah. moves or relocates so to there was, <laughs> we, we set the brewery up on a shoestring, did a lot of it ourselves, and um, yeah, that's where the where we are. And, 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 and how long ago? Because it's brewed, it's been around for a while now, hasn't it? So as a brand, I think we're about 11 years now. Mm. Uh, Which by Melbourne standards, these are pretty... Yeah. You know, for the first few years, it was big growing, borrowing or stealing brewing space in any brewery we could find. Surely not stealing. I don't believe the stealing part, even in Derriman. No, probably not, no. But, uh, yeah, we worked with a lot of breweries, helped us out a lot to get our first few batches out. Um, yeah, there's only so much beer you can brew when it's 100 litres at a time in a shed. This is very and, true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's hard work to uh, spend all day to just have two kegs come out at the end of the day. So. And hope for the best. Yeah, and hope for the best. <laughs> and which beer have you brought along for us today? Let's talk about what's in the can and also... Uh, given that we, uh, we've had a couple of breweries on already today and we've sp- spoken about speedboats already, let's talk about the stand that you've produced here because it's a pretty spectacular-looking environment that you've provided people. Oh, yes. Now we're going to talk about this one. Yeah, that's all you, mate. Um, so this one's uh, retro theme, Vaporwave, Hot Summer Nights. Uh, it's a bit of a take on Cavalier, a bit of a play on words, roll through with Night Rider from the 1980s. Um, which, if you were here today, uh, or if you follow our Instagram page, you're going to see as well. We went totally retro today, inflatable palm trees. Uh, we got a 1980s Pontiac Trans Am sitting there parked outside the booth today. And is that something you had to buy with company money and write off oh, on yeah, tax yeah, just yeah, by yeah, way of yeah, promotion? Yeah. Yeah. Suffice to say, we blew the marketing budget for the next 10 <laughs> yeah. years in today's installation for Willie Beer Fest. I've got to say, it sounds better to have a Trans Am than to have a boat that you've got to haul around the country, which yes, is what we were talking exactly. about. Well, it was more so we 
we were considering the boat, but then that's harder to get home for us because then we're like the end of the day today. We're going to have to hook it on to the back of the car and drive it home. Someone needs so to drive. Exactly. Yeah. Someone's going to be driving the Trans Am home, and that's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> and he's been very well behaved. He hasn't had a single beer yet, despite yeah. uh, my best efforts of trying to buy him with alcohol. <laughs> um, yeah. So look, we've got a really retro themed. Uh, Night Rider inspired sort of can. Uh, we've even got kit uh, on the bottom for those uh, listeners of our particular vintage who understand what kit is or K W T. Yeah, K I Which stands for? Yeah, tell me that one. Night Industries. Something, something. Technological. I'm sure it's. I'm sure there's a technology in there somewhere. Absolutely. So yeah, all all of the crowd can look, can Google that for us while we while we do this. (laughs) Send us an email. Interactive podcast. Exactly. Um, So yeah, look, we've got a double dry hopped IPA here. Um, It's been hopped up with uh, Eldorado and a bit of Simcoe. 6.2%. Really beautiful malt bill. Um, Really lovely, lovely nut. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely notes of pineapple, passion fruit, uh, and mango on the nose. Um, and then you get some really nice sort of uh, candied citrus and a nice little bitterness on the back end. Um, it's tasting really, it's tasting beautiful, I've got to say. It's the first double dry hopped one that I've had today. We've just had a, a couple of fruit sours with the good people of Waywood, and it's nice to now get into this sort of big, tasty, hoppy beer. I think we've got an answer on kit. <laughs> Industries 2000. 2000. Oh, that's see, that's that's when they were looking to the future. (laughs) And now, so it's fantastic. Now you can write to the uh, to the good people of Cavalier and tell them all about the Night Industries 2000. Um, So, in terms of your travels around the festival today, aside from your own, well, tell us which beers you brought uh, to the festival more than just this one, and um, what what's on tap if we're going and tasting things at the tap room at the moment. We have. Our beer, we're calling it. So, new core range that we're hoping to launch in the new year. Our dunkel that we had from Oktoberfest. So, nice dark lager there. I'm going to come across and try that one in a minute. I, I, Oktoberfest is, you know, some yeah. people have birthdays that go on for, you know, a week. My Oktoberfest is well and truly going to stretch into December <laughs> this year. There's no two ways about that. Uh, and then in Cairns, we've got the hot summer nights. Double dry hopped IPA and our Bloody Maria Michelada sour. So that's a. Yeah, think, talk, tell um, us a little bit about that one. Yeah. yeah. So it's a. <laughs> it's Bloody Maria in a beer. Lots of um, lots of tomato juice, salt, Tabasco, lime and lemon, pepper. It's all. Traditional goes a base, shit ton of tequila. Yeah, with tequila instead of vodka, so that's a bloody Maria with our friends from Tromba Tequila. Uh, But real masterclass in balance as well. Like really, really well balanced, uh, classic sour with a whole heap of adjunct that just balance out perfectly. So we released that one for Gabs this year and it just, yeah, it was amazing. Scary. But turned out fucking amazing. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah. Scary but amazing is like, yes. you know, that's, that's the cool room story, that's, really. That's so, yeah, so. Yeah. If you're mixing that uh, cocktail base and trying to put it into a beer and trying to work out the scaling and... Yeah. And even yeah. things like the Tabasco, I imagine, would have been a bit... Was, there, was it trial and error? was or terrifying. Was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every ingredient we put in was, yeah. We, um, 
by comparison to the other adjuncts, we're thinking, oh, three litres of chilli sauce somehow. It doesn't seem like a lot, that 3,000 litre brew, but you were like, oh, is it too much? It made a difference. Yeah, it did, it did, it did. Did you do a pilot batch of that one first, or sort of... We we did a a batch of the cocktail mix, and then we got the uh, Edison Valley Doza with no fruit in it, so we could have a base mix. We sat in the tap room one day and uh, just did the... Worked it out. So let's put more of this in, more of this in, and then scale it up to 3,000 litres. Yeah, so the the pilot batch is a 350ml glass to (laughs) 3,000 litres. Is that on your Instagram? Like, I'd I'd love to see it. It's our pilot batch. So he he did all the... (laughs) I've worked my way around a calculator. (laughs) times that by yeah, 1,000 yeah. and that's pretty much how just, we did it. Yeah. All you need to do is keep track of the zeros and you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that the beer? If I said to you, what is the sort of archetypal Cavalier beer? Is it is it that crazy one or is it, you know, one of the more sort of traditional core range beers? What uh, I would say it's probably a, a core range beer. I reckon the, the Pale is our pretty fundamental beer that uh, yeah we we sell we make a lot of it and uh, and what makes the Cavalier Pale a Cavalier Pale like what's the this is a very good question excellent I'm here yeah, to ask the very yeah, good yeah. questions uh, I'm also here to talk a bit while people think about a very good answer it's useful to sort of just fill in a little bit of time uh, yeah, I appreciate that a lot <laughs> but uh, I would say it's probably a, the, the mix of hops that we use in the beer to Produce that final the, the flavour and character. So, and what hops are in your pale? So we have Cascade, Amarillo, Citra, Idaho Seven, and Mosaic. So there's a few in there. Well, particularly the Amarillo. Just for a core range yeah. as well, which is uh, pretty different for a core range. Absolutely. Pale. It's not. I mean, I can imagine it's also not the cheapest core range beer yeah. to make with a. Well, with a... But we found the flavour that we like and. Yeah. And is that one where the recipe has changed a bit over time? Or? It has. Yeah. The, the recipe, I think it was about five years ago that we did make a pretty big change in uh, what our pale was. It was originally a lot of New Zealand hops that I think uh, the character that we were getting out of these hops were not... Uh, so consistent from kind of month to month, year to year, and what we originally designed wasn't what we're getting out a couple of years later. So that's part of why we. That's part of why we went with a pale ale with five different hops in there, so that uh, you can you've got a little bit of wiggle room there to to make sure the beer tastes the same every time. Because not everyone sort of realises this, but. You know, it, it, for those in the industry, everyone knows that you're constantly tweaking the recipes. Yeah. Different hop batches, they can come from the same farm, but that you'll get a different. different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, how they react eight yeah. months after they've been picked is going to be different to the day that yeah, we first come in. It's a big eye opening experience for us at a brewery to see, you know, this, this recipe that we'd piloted and uh, kind of made over so many years. And then it just wasn't tasting the way we wanted it. Yeah. We had uh, yeah, major redesign on how we approach the beer and hops and hoppy beers in general. 
it's it, yeah, I love those sort of behind the scenes yeah. kind of stories because uh, particularly for home brewers there's this sort of impression that oh no professional brewers get it right the first time nothing ever changes well uh, I mean we try <laughs> we do our best <laughs> Now, we'll say 90% strike rate. Yeah. <laughs> That's still better than I ever did as a home brewer, let me tell you. There was a, the strike rate wasn't 90. I'll give you, give you an absolute tip. Um, normally we ask our cool room question, which is about sort of the most exciting or disturbing thing you've seen in a cool room at a pub or something like that. But we're mixing things up today at the Williamstown Beer Festival. We're asking what's the most disturbing or amusing thing you've seen at a beer festival. Uh, and again, we say, obviously, not the Williamstown beer festival where nothing underward ever happens uh, but other beer festivals that don't need to be named um, or music festivals uh, our good friend Ryan from Wayward had some had some stories it's fair to say uh, which will have been edited out by the time you hear this is the podcast version but at beer festivals around the way perhaps guys have you are there anything particularly memorable or times when you thought things were going to work or didn't work or times when you couldn't get the Trans Am home at the end of the day well, I mean, look, if you want to take today, for example... Well, the bar we've got set up today... Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, but that was the original Williamstown Beer Festival. It was the original Williamstown Beer Festival. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, we put some sides on this thing. It uh, went from a two-man job to a three-man job. Four-man job, really, trying to get that on the back of the year. But that's uh, uh, always good times. I can always edit these. The, the guys are the guys are off mic trying to figure out what they can say and what they can't. I'll edit anything out that's not there. No, apart from the bloke in Hungary, no one listens. So you know, I mean, I've seen wheelchairs in mosh pits and all sorts of shit. Over the years, but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, presumably at, me, at music festivals rather music than beer. Festivals, yeah, close yeah. to beer festivals. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think if you're running a beer festival when you've got a wheelchair being lifted over the mosh pit. Um, you're doing pretty well good. Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah. Everybody's having a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all fun and games until the wheelchair gets dropped in the mosh pit. That's, uh, <laughs> I think I've got a T-shirt somewhere that says that. So. <laughs> now, guys, it's been excellent to have you on. Tell us again where we can find the tap room and give us your socials so that people can follow the Cavalier story. Yeah, so look, uh, tap room's located in Derriman. Which is not nearly as far away as it sounds like it is. <laughs> it's only 16 k's from the city, or as we are in Willie, probably only 15 k's from here. It's only a 15 minute drive. Oh, um, and a Trans Am, surely it's a three minute drive. Exactly. <laughs> so we're, we're just past Lavender, straight down Boundary Road. Um, best in the outer west. In the outer west, we are the, well, the best and the only in the outer yes. west. Um, so yeah, we're in 8 slash 2 or 5 slash 2 Derriman Drive, Derriman 3026. Just off Boundary Road. Just off Boundary Road. Just the, the postcode's important, just in case anyone wants to write you a letter yeah, about, exactly. you know... You would be surprised how many people send us letters. I feel like that might be another whole interview. I can't remember the last time we checked the letterbox, but that's okay. It's there We're open four days a week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, from 12pm to last night. Takeaways, pool tables. We seat up to about 120 people. We get rammed on Fridays, which is a lot of fun. Um, you can find us on our socials at Cavalier Beer, hashtag Cavalier Beer, uh, across the board, um, www.cavalierbeer.com. I think 
that's all the points. That's it. Awesome, guys. Well, it's been excellent to have you on today. Uh, a lot it's of been fun. A pleasure. And the one question I haven't asked is, aside from your own delicious beers, what's the beer that you've enjoyed the most at the festival today? Have you had a chance to taste a few other bits and pieces? Oh, no, Black Arts. Black Arts, yeah. yeah. Golden. Golden Wild. Yeah. 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 We're, we're big Black Arts fans, yeah. so <laughs> you don't have to convince us much. Awesome, guys. Thanks for being on the show today, and we look forward to talking more in the future. Thanks for having us. Thank you.